Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. I'm Nick Batia. Today, I want to walk you guys through some great talking points that you can use in your Thanksgiving Day celebrations. We're going to go across Bitcoin and macroeconomics, global markets, and let you guys know what's going on out there in a really concise and condensed way. I have six talking points today. Let's get into it. All right, I know how it typically is at Thanksgiving dinner. If you're a Bitcoiner, it's either you're being lauded for your foresight or you're being berated for telling your family members to buy Bitcoin before it crashes. This year, thankfully, we are in an above average environment as far as meetings with the family goes. So today I want to start with number one, Bitcoin's outperformance is staggering. This is really what you guys can lead with here. I have a chart that I want to pull up. It is the performance of Bitcoin over the last trailing 12 months versus some of the other major asset classes. And starting at 100, everything rebased back to 100, we can see that Bitcoin has more than doubled in the last 12 months, while stocks are up about 16%. Gold up about 12%, treasuries down uh, a little over 2%, and the CPI really holding at about three, between 3 and 4% here over the last 12 months. Today's episode is sponsored by River. River is a Bitcoin-only exchange and what we believe to be the best in the business. River does not use a third-party custodian, and this is key for you guys to understand. When you buy Bitcoin through River's platform, you are not sending the Bitcoin out to another company. River keeps that Bitcoin in a multi-signature cold storage solution. And not only that, they encourage you to get your coins off of River's exchange as soon as possible. So advocating for self-custody. We love that. Go check them out today, river.com slash TBL for a special offer. When we talk about the potential of Bitcoin's returns versus other asset classes, it really raises the eyebrows of anybody with an investment portfolio. And when you explain to them that Bitcoin is up 130% over the last 12 months versus just 16% in the stock market, you can really show them the difference. But I have another chart for you to zoom out a little bit more and give you guys the trailing five-year returns because anybody can cherry pick data over the last six months, 12 months, whatever is convenient. But when you show them the relative returns of Bitcoin over each and every time horizon, unless you're really picking and choosing from the few months of Bitcoin's blow off tops, you are going to see really strong returns. And we can see that with the way of the analysis when we do dollar cost averaging. That's something that we've written about. As long as you don't go all in at the top, you are likely to have positive returns as long as enough years go by in Bitcoin. So let's bring up that next chart. Trailing five-year returns here, we could see that $100 would be worth 841 in Bitcoin, uh, while only up to 187 in the stock market. So an 87% return in stocks over the last five years, which is very impressive, especially relative to the CPI, which is up 22% over the last five years. But Bitcoin, with the staggering return of 741% over the last five years. 
These are the types of returns that you guys at home need to first recognize for yourselves, but then for your loved ones, when you're trying to get them to understand Bitcoin and its potential, show them the returns, tap into that understanding of relative performance, right? So go with these numbers. Number two, the US government will never ban Bitcoin. This is something I hear a lot. At some of my speaking engagements, people come up to me after and they genuinely think that the US government is on the path to banning Bitcoin as a technology. It's so far from the truth, but what we have to present to people in order to counter that argument is just how far along things like a regulated Bitcoin spot ETF are in the United States. So the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the regulator here for ETFs, they are in the final stages of approving these ETFs. And we have to think about the government in the US as several different moving parts, right? Of course, we have the three branches of government. The executive branch is going to have their own opinion. The legislative branch is working on regulatory frameworks for Bitcoin, stable coins, and other digital assets. There are efforts in the House. There are efforts in the Senate. There are cases that are going through the court systems as well in the judicial branch. And not only that, we have agencies, right? So we have the SEC, the Treasury Department. These are extensions of the legislative branch, of the executive branch. And so we have a lot of moving parts when it comes to Bitcoin regulation in the U.S. government. With that being said, look how far along Bitcoin is as a technology from the regulatory perspective in the United States system. It's going through court systems and it's being legalized at the state level. So at the very minimum, Bitcoin is around for several decades as states and the federal government potentially fight out issues over the legality of using Bitcoin in certain uh, scenarios. But when we think about the internet and the way that people are allowed to use that here in the US, as a function of really freedom of speech, Bitcoin is a similar sort of technology to the internet in that it is a protocol. It is decentralized. It doesn't exist in one single place. And it allows the exchange of information. So all, for all of these reasons, Bitcoin is not going anywhere in the US. In fact, it is being embraced. And we are seeing that as we get closer to approval uh, at the SEC. Number three. Bitcoin mining emits carbon? Actually, no. Bitcoin helps mitigate methane emissions. This is a big talking point that you guys at home might want to try out this Thanksgiving. This is the idea that Bitcoin is dangerous for the environment. We have to explain that this is wrong on a couple different major, major fronts here. Number one, Bitcoin does not emit carbon. Bitcoin consumes electricity in the same way that electric vehicles consume electricity. So when you are saying that Bitcoin is bad for the environment, you are picking and choosing electricity usages. What is powering the electricity grids that power electric vehicles, that charge electric vehicles, or that power Bitcoin miners is dependent on those specific electricity grids? And the information that we have coming out 
is that Bitcoin is actually the greenest technology in the world as far as energy consumption. We see new evidence that the mining industry in Bitcoin is over 50% consuming renewable electricity. And that is versus a second place of banks estimated to be at around 39%. And the banks have a high level relative to other sectors because banks are more computing than using fossil fuels, like a manufacturing sector, for example. So Bitcoin is the greenest sector in the world right now as far as energy consumption. And that is because Bitcoin seeks out the cheapest possible power and it can travel, Bitcoin mining can travel to where that power is. And that power, the cheapest power available, is more often than not renewable electricity. So that is number one. Bitcoin does not do any direct carbon emissions. It Bitcoin mining will lead to carbon emissions if those electricity grids are using coal, for example. But what we see is right now, Bitcoin is using over 50% renewable. And that is that is putting to shame other sectors actually out there uh, that have a really high benchmark now with Bitcoin mining. The second major point on the environment here is the potential for Bitcoin to mitigate methane emissions, which are way more harmful to the environment through the process of Bitcoin mines at open pit landfills. So this is turning trash and the methane that uh, the decomposition of trash emits, turning that into power for Bitcoin miners and capturing that methane out of the atmosphere and leaving cleaner air for us all. Now, if you guys really want to hammer home this environmental argument, I really suggest that you lead people to our recent episode with Daniel Batten, in which he breaks down his efforts on the Bitcoin mining via landfill methane emissions sector. It's a very specific sector, but there are mines that are operating live in the United States and Australia with exploration into several more in Central and South America. So go check out that that, uh, recent episode that we did on Bitcoin as a green technology. Number four, this is one that we continue to hammer home and one that you should definitely use. It's not crypto that you're interested in, it's Bitcoin. And that is something that you have to message back to your family and friends when they're saying, hey, how's that whole crypto thing going? Remind them, it's not actually about crypto, it's about Bitcoin. Crypto is in the echo boom of Bitcoin, and it's an industry that is facing a lot of regulatory uncertainty, a lot of fraudulent characters. Honestly, the threat of judicial action is going to set back that industry a long time. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is emerging with a clean sheet from a regulatory perspective because it is a commodity. It is decentralized. It doesn't have a center. It doesn't have an owner. There is no address. It cannot be subpoenaed. And it has the endorsement of millions of people around the world across pretty much every single jurisdiction. And for that reason, Bitcoin and crypto are not the same thing. And make sure to correct people when they use the word crypto. Gently remind them that it's Bitcoin. Number five, U.S. Treasuries are a good asset to own in this environment. 
Now, remember that we do not offer investment advice. Rather, what we are trying to do is express why treasuries are going to decline in their yield and appreciate in value should we go into a recession. And that stands from an empirical relationship of treasury yields corresponding to the expectation of growth and inflation. Now that falls during a recession, so treasury yields should fall. Look at this chart that we have here comparing the federal funds rate to the 10-year yield over the last 25 years. The Fed funds rate, this is the policy rate from the central bank here in the U.S. in black with the treasury yield, 10-year yield in orange. What you see here is that in the shaded regions, that's when we're in a recession, the policy rate falls. The yield in the market of treasuries also falls. And we don't expect this time to be any different. We're really excited to explore the ideas around fiscal dominance and whether large fiscal deficit of the U.S. government can have enough stimulative effect to the aggregate U.S. economy in order to prevent a fall in interest rates. But that's not our base case. We'll continue to watch this. Another chart I want to show you guys here is that the Treasury Bill yields, this is the three-month bill, these yields are starting to roll over. You can see here that they're starting to creep down and the the era of these yields rising in the money market, it, it does appear to be over. Now, let's go back to the previous chart for a second with the 10-year yield. What you see is that 10s have fallen from 5 to 4.5% over the last few weeks. There has been some recent strength in treasuries. But what I want you to do is look at what happens when the Fed pauses. This is when the black line flatlines. What happened in 2001, 2007, and 2019? When it flatlines, the next move is sharply lower. We do not anticipate anything different this time. We're looking for a recession in 2024, rate cuts, and a fall in market yields. Last but not least, the business cycle has turned here, guys. Recession, like we're talking about, is on deck. Looking at the data, we have some brand new data this week on existing home sales. Take a look at the fall that we've seen this cycle down to 3.79 million homes on an annualized basis. Now, this is one of the most important numbers that we can look at in the housing market. We know that housing feeds into the economy. About 25% of the U.S. economy is driven by housing. So as the number of homes that sell continue to fall, that means that household formation is in decline. And that year-over-year decline in household formation is going to affect a large portion of the economy that does feed in. We will look for that to show up in the labor market as we go forward. But just look at the result of these high interest rates that we've seen in the previous charts with the federal funds rate increasing. It is corresponding to a big decline in the number of homes that are being sold. In the next chart, we have here this commercial property index. We have seen 
a bunch of headlines here in the last few weeks, fire sales of major office buildings all around the country, from San Francisco to Chicago to New York to Washington, D.C., Huge, huge discounts in office buildings when we actually get the realized price. Remember that office buildings don't trade every day. So it's not that often we get to strike the price of what these things are worth. And what we see is that right now, big, big haircut. So look at this price uh, decline here in this index. The commercial property sector is in trouble. We will look for that to follow through into bank write-downs, what kind of layoffs do we see as a result of that? That's why we're not seeing a recession right now, right? The third quarter of 2023, almost 5% growth. But what's going to happen in 24? We'll look to see. Thanks for sticking with us today at the Bitcoin Layer. Make sure to check out our research publication, thebitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe. You can check out all of our research as it comes. We have amazing access to all the economic data and we publish about it three times a week at our publication. So go check us out there. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week at the Bitcoin Layer. Today's episode has been sponsored by River. River is a Bitcoin-only exchange with Lightning Network capability. Go check them out today at river.com slash TBL for a special offer. And one new feature that River has added, which we think is really cool, recurring purchases on the hour. So you can set a small amount to be purchased every single hour so that you are truly averaging your cost over a long time horizon. Make sure you check them out today, river.com slash TBL.